Hello, everyone. My name is Jordan. Welcome to the next episode of Beyond the Sermon. This is a way for us to go beyond the weekend message through conversations, questions and answers, deep dives into topics, interviews, and practical ways to engage throughout the week. The hope is that through this series, you will be encouraged, challenged, and more equipped to be a disciple of Jesus. This episode, I was able to have a conversation with Brad Gray from Walking the Text to discuss a crucial part of understanding scripture in the Bible, context. He unpacks what context is, provides some resources on how to better understand it, and we talk through some of the major themes of the Bible. It was a great conversation that I think you will find helpful. Here's my conversation with Brad. For everybody who's listening today, I have a special guest. His name is Brad Gray, and he's going to tell you a little bit about who he is. But for me, over the last year or two, he's been somebody that has opened up some windows into Scripture and into studying the Bible, um, even things I've heard before in a fresh, new way. And so I'm very honored to have Brad with us today to um, help us all understand how do we read the Bible better. And so before we dive in, though, Brad, uh, first, thank you for taking time out of your day to be with us and to share some of your experience, your expertise, and what you know. But before that, tell us a little bit about who you are, who is Brad Gray, um, and what you get to do. I appreciate that, Jordan. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I actually live in uh, the greater Nashville area. I've been here for about five years, originally from Michigan, and my wife Shallon and I have been married for 18 years, and we've got four kids, uh, three boys and a girl, 14, 12, 10, and 7. So it is a fun and festive household, absolutely. And um, yeah, and I, I get the the privilege of leading an organization called Walking the Text. And I know you know about Walking the Text, but for those in the audience that may not, we are a nonprofit organization that creates resources as well as study trips to Bible lands to help people to understand the Bible in its original context. So awesome. we do videos, podcasts trips to the Middle East, conferences, everything we can to provide people with the very best resources to engage the Bible uh, in the way that the Bible was, you know, expected to be engaged. Yeah. 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 So can you give me even just a little bit, what's, and, and I don't know how comfortable comfortable you are with this, but some of your credentials, how did you arrive here at this place of this being your ministry expression school, some of that type of stuff? Yeah, I never thought I'd be doing this. <laughs> that's that's for sure. I would imagine for you know many who are listening, you know, you have certain ideas about the trajectory of your life, and then yeah. you know God does some fun you know twists in it. And I and I'm so grateful for what I get to do. So I, I love the trajectory um, and the journey that God has had me on. But I actually grew up in the household of a physical therapist, uh, incredibly gifted. Um, professional. My dad has just got an amazing gift from God and an incredible work ethic. So I grew up knowing exactly what I wanted to do, and that was to get a business degree and not to become a physical therapist, but join him in the work that he was doing. So I went off to college first for basketball, second for a business degree, um, and graduated, uh, never changing my major, knowing exactly what I wanted to do, and, and joined my dad for several years doing sports business, creating uh, programs, uh, fitness programs, as well as uh, rehabilitation, just basically anything in the fitness world for 
everyone from, you know, daycare kids all the way up through our uh, U.S. Special Forces. And so we were doing everything in between. And in the midst of that, I realized that there was a greater passion that I had for studying and understanding the Bible. So I ended up leaving that, going to seminary, got a Master's of Divinity, and then realized that I didn't learn in seminary what I really wanted to learn, which was the context related to the Bible. Okay. So up and moved to Jerusalem and studied for an additional year, postgraduate work at uh, Jerusalem University College, and that really allowed me the opportunity to get the learning that I was desperately longing for. And uh, throughout my three years of seminary, I actually served as a teaching pastor for two different churches, came back from Israel, served as a teaching pastor in a local congregation for another seven years, so just over a decade of being in the local church. And um, within my first year of moving back from Israel, started leading these two-week in-depth biblical study hiking trips to Israel and to Turkey. So that's now been 12 years of doing those. And then when we moved to Nashville uh, five years ago, it was I was a serving as the teaching pastor for a fantastic community in West Michigan. My wife and I had a two-week time period where we just felt like God was saying, uh, you're resigning for no good reason. You're moving to the Nashville area, and that's all you get. And so <laughs> we did a three-month transition, uh, came here, and then really for the first year, really wrestled with, God, what, what are you doing? What are you kind of birthing inside of us? Yeah. And realized kind of a vision for what walking the text now is, um, yep. could have been. Launched that just over four years ago, and uh, that's kind of what has brought us to what we get to do today. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. So picking up with walking the text, talk to me a little bit about, and and you've got a tagline, I can't, I, I'm, I'm going to butcher it, but at the end of almost every uh, podcast I've heard of yours and a lot of your context or content, you say something like, may you walk out the text well. And I love that phrase because it's about formation to look like Jesus, right? And right. so you're, tell us just a little bit a bit more about walking the text. What do you guys do? What do you offer? What is some of the content that's there? Just to give us a brief overview of that, and then we'll dive into some of the other questions. Yeah, well, Jordan, you nailed the tagline, so we must be doing <laughs> <Good>. something right. <laughs> you know, it, and it is, may you walk out the text well in your life is, is just the thing that we always want to leave people with. And that's because um, the goal isn't new information, more information. The goal is always transformation. Yeah. And we don't want people just to become smarter. We want people to become more faithful. Yep. And the biggest problem that I have seen when I served as a teaching pastor is that everybody knows that context is everything, and yet the vast majority of people have never been taught how to think about the context related to the Bible. And so walking the text is creating the various resources and experiences for people to get that learning and that education, not so, again, that they're just smarter. They know more about the Bible. It's that they can read the Bible with greater clarity and confidence and know what to do with the very words of God in order to live them out, because it's only in applying these truths and principles that we actually experience that transformation that we all desperately long for. And so that's what we really want people to do. And even the idea behind the, the, the title, Walking the Text, a lot of people go, oh, that's because you're walking out the text in Israel and Turkey and on your biblical yeah. study trips. And that's in part true, but the right. larger context for that is that the word walk, um, halak in Hebrew, it means to live or to go, 
but it most emphatically means to walk. And mm-hmm. so we want people to live well by walking out God's word. But for many people, they struggle to understand what God's word is actually saying. It's confusing. It's difficult. So we want to be able to provide them with the the resources to be able to better understand and engage God's word so that they can walk it out more faithfully in life. Oh, I love that. I love that. Thanks. Thank you so much for what you do genuinely. Um, and I, I just, I've been so appreciative and I've, I've, you know, sent some of your stuff to people and just gone, oh my gosh, this, this changed things. And I remember we got, we went through the Bible conference you just put on, a few of us pastors did. And and I, I walked out of my office at one point and I was looking at another person who had gone through it and we were just both kind of like eyes wide, like, we never knew how did we miss some of this stuff and and it just opened up a whole new layer of understanding oh this is what this means and and we'd had it wrong the whole time and and that's a, a whole different conversation of what that was about but as we look at the bible <laughs> as a whole as we look yeah. at the, the the meta narrative if you if you'd call it that or the big picture you know a lot of the the conversation especially in our postmodern culture today and some would even call it a post-Christian culture, there's there's some uh, dissonance for some people going, what is, what is this even about? You've got the New Testament, you've got the Old Testament. They sometimes seem to contradict. And so there can be questions or frustration or confusion about the Bible as this collection of books. Can you tell us, can you give us, and I think you've uh, shared this with us before, but what what is this all about? What is this book, this collection? Why does it matter help us understand why why we're even talking about it today. Yeah. Well, I mean, when people have asked me to kind of distill the Bible down, I can actually get it into one word. <laughs> I'm not sure. Great. Great. I, it, seems, it seems helpful to me. Um, Absolutely. We'll, we'll see if others feel the same way, but it really is uh, around the word shalom, you know, which mm. is the Hebrew word that we translate into English as peace. But when we hear the word peace, we hear an absence of conflict or serenity of the inner Mm -hmm. soul. But in the biblical narrative and around this Hebrew word shalom, it means wholeness, well-being, Mm -hmm. thriving. Everything is as God intends it to be. And really, this is the story of the scripture in one word. God creates the world in a way where he wants to... Uh, have a relationship with humanity, creates humanity out of his great love to be able to share that. And humanity is given a choice. And as a result of the fall, the goodness of everything God created, the shalom that was in the garden gets shattered. Mm -hmm. And really the whole rest of the story is how is God getting his good world back? How is shalom being reinstated where sin has brought pain and brokenness and chaos uh, and hurt and discouragement and frustration and, and how is how is the truth of who God is and what he's invited us into in collaboration with the work of what Jesus Christ did and now the power of the Holy Spirit that is working amongst Jesus's followers to reinstate that shalom in the world, both in our own lives, but then God working through us mm-hmm. to impact you know, the rest of creation to experience the shalom that God has always wanted his creation to have. Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful summary. And I love, I love, and you've done with that word, you've helped us understand a word better that we would translate our Western context of peace would say one thing, but the Hebrew understanding of that word carries so much more depth that helps us now carry that into today. So let's, let's, 
take that as a nice segue of let's talk about context for a bit. Part of what you do is you're helping people understand the world surrounding these texts, even with what you just did um, surrounding that Hebrew word. And so can you unpack why is this important and why do we miss it so much? Why why do we need to understand the context, what it originally meant, some of those things, and 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 why does it require so much of us to go study and find this out? I mean, you've, you've given a good p- part of your life to essentially right. the word context. That's got to carry some significant weight. So help us understand why we should care about context. Yeah. Well, let me just kind of give a quick overview on context, because this was something that for me for a number of years is I would talk about context, context, context. And then I would have people come up to me after a conference or after a Sunday teaching or even during one of my trips. And they're going, listen, we understand now the importance of context, but how do we do it? Yeah. You know, like, yep. h- h- how do I not rely on you yep. to help me to understand, you know, what God's word. And that was going to be my follow-up question is oh, after, you, after you give it to me, tell me how to do it. Yeah. 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 So, so this was something that, um, one of the things that we did when we launched walking the text four years ago is that I wrote a very short ebook, just, mm-hmm. uh, 30 pages long called the number one mistake most everyone makes reading the Bible. And it's around the idea that we don't read it in context <laughs> and that most of us haven't been taught how to read it in context. And so it's a short ebook, completely free. People can get it at walkingthetext.com where we walk people through just a framework for context. So when I talk about context, there are kind of six big lenses with which context can be seen through. Um, there's history, there's geography, there's cultural backgrounds, there's visual settings, like what do the places look like? What does archaeology yeah. give us? There's the linguistics. So we just talked about the word shalom from a linguistic lens, which is a lens of context for just what does the original languages mean? And then there's a literary lens as well, basically the who, what, when, where, you know, how is the book or letter, you know, set up? And so when it comes to context as a whole, there are all these different facets to understand what a passage originally meant. And one of the things that that was true for me for a long time, and I think is true for a lot of people, is that when we open up our Bible, typically the first question that we're asking after we've read a passage is, well, what does this mean for me today? Mm -hmm. Uh, Rather than a better question is to Mm -hmm. begin with, well, what did it mean for them then? Because so often we're looking at the Bible through our 21st century Western context, and what we fail to realize is what the world was actually like when something was written. And so Mm -hmm. context is that it's, well, let's fill in what's going on in the text, because here's the thing that... It's 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 fascinating and it makes a ton of sense, but it's also frustrating, is that the biblical writers assumed their audience lived when they did, where they did, and understood everything that they knew. Yeah. So all of the normal stuff that everybody knows, the writers are not going to take time and energy, right. right, in a limited, you know, parchment or, you know, uh, 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 you know, writing surfaces to be able to go, hey, I'm not going to fill in and take up other time. They, they didn't have unlimited, you know, Microsoft Word documents right, and, right. you know, as much information as they wanted to provide. And so part of what what 
we're doing and what context does is it helps you to fill in the gaps of what everybody already knew Mm. so that when you go and read that particular passage or story, you're reading it in, in the frame for how they would have experienced it. And all of a sudden you see, you see things you've never seen before. The text goes deeper. You make bigger implications and, or draw better connections. And then by, by way of moving through the process of interpretation, you ask better questions about what does this mean and how do I, you know, apply this to my life? Yeah. Yeah. That's, and, and that's such a a powerful, and that's one of the things that when I, when I reference, you know, some of the, the interaction I've had with, with, with what you've helped me do is it has been like a light bulb because even some, some of the more complex passages, once you understand that, it really does create a, a greater level of, oh, that's what he's trying to get across. Right. Even though it sounds like this in English or in our context, okay, you know, so it, so it ends up being those light bulb moments. So for people who have not had maybe the schooling you've had and have not been able to um, to study the same way, what are some some ways that someone can dive into context Um as they're at home, as they're, you know, reading the Bible in the living room or on the Bible app or wherever, what are, are, are there any helpful ways that people, cause they might ask the question, Oh, what was it like in Rome in the first century? And that's a great question, but how do you answer the question? Uh, yeah. How do you, how do you find that? Right. Right. Yeah. So any resources or, or place, I mean, yeah, that you've any helpful ways that people could go, okay, this is a great place to start down this trajectory. Right. Well, um, a few things. One is with that ebook, one of the things that we were doing too is we were trying to answer that same question, Jordan. Sure. Uh, if people are going to ask this, how do we create just a, a single resource that becomes a launch pad for everything that they do? And so the great thing in that ebook, the number one mistake most everyone makes reading the Bible, is that with each level or layer of context, a lens of context, if you will, um, we provide a series of questions that you want to ask a passage as you're looking through that particular lens. And then we've also included in that resource, here are four or five other resources, books, sites, whatever, that you would want to consult in order to gain the information that you're looking for as you're looking through that particular lens. And so that's that's a really great place to start because it provides, you know, that was one of the things is just, you know, over the last 15 years of all this, of just curating all the best resources and not overwhelming people and just going, hey, here's your top five. You know, here's the top five that are out there. Most accessible. These are not really scholarly, you know, resources. This is for the general public to be able to read and understand God's word and to understand the history or the geography or the cultural backgrounds or whatnot. So that's one place to do it. Um, Another place to go is um, for our teaching series. So one of the things that we've been doing, and we I think we just released our 145th episode or something like that, are these 15 to 20 minute teachings that we do at Walking the Text, completely free. It's a YouTube channel as well as found on our website. There's discussion questions that go with each one. Is that as we've sat back and looked at the biblical narrative, we go, what are going to be some of the harder things that people aren't going to be able to find on their own? Yeah. And let's just put it in a 15-minute video for yeah. them. 
Yeah. Um, and so that's that's something that you know we've got a number of mini series and a number of subject subject matters that they can can look at that. Right. Uh, Bible Project is one of the most fantastic yeah. Yeah. resources as well as I'm sure your audience is familiar with. Uh, BibleProject.com. They're just doing some of the most fantastic work. Yeah. On the planet, helping yeah. people to understand the literary design and especially the themes connected yeah. to the biblical narrative. Um, and then one of the other things that I always reference people to as well is uh, my good friend, Randy Smith. And Jordan, you had a chance to experience him at yep. the Infusion Bible Conference. Um, Dr. Randy Smith, he's got uh, something called One Hour, One Book. And every single book of the Bible, he tackles in under an hour. Oh, wow. And Randy is doing this to uh, an audience of you know early like college, college age um, students. And so it's very accessible for people in high school as well as for adults. Uh, he's kind of bridging both of that, you know, in those resources. But Randy is a contextualist par excellence and just does fantastic work there. So there's a few resources, and yeah. all of these are listed inside the ebook. But those are some really great yeah. places to go to kind of get a vibe for you know what resources most resonate with what people are looking for. Yeah, that's awesome, and I'll and I'll put links to. Uh, Brad's website in the show notes, just so everybody knows. And then I actually did, and with Brad's permission, a summary blog post of um, that ebook, just kind of a teaser that references that book. And and uh, that's a great place to start to. It has a couple of the questions in there. And so I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Um, I want to shift gears real quick um, into trying to, to pull some knowledge out of you a little bit. So as we look at, you know, we talked briefly about, you know, we've got Old Testament and New Testament. So are there like maybe a few key things that as people, we've given some challenge to people who are part of Faith Chapel to say, hey, as as we go through 2022, maybe engage the Bible in a whole new way, you know, maybe read it more, maybe listen to it more, maybe meditate on it more, maybe watch more videos about it. So we've given a challenge that everybody should, should take a next step toward scripture to say, Hey, I'm going to engage with it in a new and different way this year. And so we're hoping that people are, are following through that. I I've, I've chosen to, to do that as well. So as people are opening up their Bible, is there anything, maybe some key things that maybe you could help people keep in mind as they read the old Testament, maybe as a whole, and then maybe the new Testament as they're Mm -hmm. reading that, that would be like, okay, I always need to remember. I mean, there's context. And so that's one part of it, but are there some things that maybe you could point to, to say, Hey, don't forget as you're reading this, here's what's going on in these, in these uh, collections. Right. Well, you know, as, as we look at the biblical narrative, everything the Bible does ultimately points to Jesus. And one of the things that when you're reading the Older Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures, uh, this was Jesus's Bible. This is Paul's Bible. This is the disciples' Bible. And everything that is going on in the New Testament is drawing upon what happened in the Old Testament. And so I don't, even when I mentioned that, I said Older Testament first, because when we hear Old Testament, we hear old, outdated, irrelevant. And And that's not the case, is that you cannot understand the the fullness of what was happening in Jesus's ministry, what Paul was trying to do, what the disciples were doing, if you don't understand the biblical story, that yeah. is the continuation. Yeah. And so as people are reading the Older Testament, is just to continue to keep note to go, 
how is this moving forward through the rest of the Bible? You know, are the are there certain themes that just keep, you know, happening and being just aware? And I think just awareness is one of the most significant skill sets that we can develop in reading the Bible is just not reading a particular section, but just going, what are these echoes? Where where have I heard these before? Both yeah. before what I'm reading right now, um, as well as as we start moving later, because everything Jesus is doing is pulling from the Hebrew scriptures. Yeah. Um, Paul is drawing upon the Hebrew scriptures, and he's applying it to his context, which is a Greco-Roman context. And I know Jordan, being a part of the Infusion Bible Conference this last year, you know, you've got that three-day immersive experience into the Roman world. Yep. But that's just one of the things that if people are just kind of going, uh, is there anywhere in which Jesus is speaking about this? Or as you're going through the Gospels to go, what what is Jesus drawing upon? Where Where yeah. is this coming from? Is just a really great way to engage the biblical text. Yeah, that's that's a great that's a great reminder. I think even even as I've been going through, and, and I'd ask you actually, this is going off script just a little bit, but I've been reading through the Old Testament right now, and the Older Testament. I like that phrase. Um, but one of the things that that I I've also been trying to keep in mind is the literary context. What is this? What is this book actually? you know, talking about what is it, what was it for? Who's this from? Who who wrote this and who's the audience? Yeah. Who, who Like, so you've got the Genesis account and the first, what, 12 chapters are probably some sort of poem more than it is this narrative. And so remembering, okay, this is a different style of writing. And then I just started Leviticus last night and remembering, okay, this is more like an instruction manual than it is, you know, like in anything else. It's not a narrative. It's, it's going through like, hey, this is, this is how you do all these things that we just talked about. You've you've got a book, uh, Making Your Mark, I believe is the title of it, about Samson. And I remember reading that, and and growing up, I had this picture of some of the Old Testament stories as examples of this is how you should do things. You know, there's all these old heroes of the Bible that, I, especially being somebody growing up in church, you go, oh yeah, I want to be like, and you just pick one. You know, it's David, right. it's, it's Joseph, it's Samson, you know, the super strong guy. And you kind of paint this picture as some of the tales of the Old Testament and some of the content in the Old Older Testament is less about instruction of this is prescriptive, but more sometimes even a warning of how to live your life or what happens when you step outside of the invitation of what God's doing or step outside of Shalom. Can you unpack just a little bit of even as people interact with some of these sometimes gruesome or dark stories what are we what are we supposed to do with with some of that? Right. Yeah. And I think the the language that you were using, Jordan, was right on. It's it's what's prescriptive and what's descriptive, mm-hmm. you know, in the scriptures. And that sometimes we think if something is prescriptive, prescribed, this is what God wanted, we might actually be reading a section where it's going, no, this is actually just descriptive. This is just what has happened and it's just being recorded. And what you're supposed to do is mm-hmm. to sometimes it's not just overtly spelled out. And I think sometimes that's one of the things that we miss when we read the biblical story is that so much of the way the Bible works is, hey, this event happened, this event happened, this event happened, and then here was a result. And it's not saying, well, this person did this and this created this effect and this is why things happened this way. It's that you're just supposed to line up these stories and then see the effect and go, oh, oh, the writer is subtly saying like those decisions that that person made were not good and look at the result. Yeah. They're not going to overtly yep. make those connections. 
Yep. It's that you wrestle kind of with the scriptures on trying to figure out, you know, what's going on. And yeah, when it comes to to make your mark and in, in, in the Samson story, that was just something for me where there were a number of issues that I had grown up, Samson on a flannel graph. I'm not I'm not that old, I'm 41, but I do remember the flannel, yep. the flannel Heck yeah. graph. I did too. Yep. And uh, you know, and and being able to go, man, there are a lot of uh conflicts in this story if I'm understanding it the way that I was taught to understand yep. it. And yep. then for me, it was if we put Samson in its context of history, geography, cultural backgrounds, everything that's part of the, the contextual landscape, it, it, it solves some problems and it makes it actually solved all the problems for me um, and made the narrative make sense. Yep. It was consistent um, I think it's very, very clear on what it's saying once you put it through the contextual lenses. Yeah. But what emerged for me was, you know, there's a, a subtitle in Make Your Mark is, you know, getting right what Samson got wrong. Right. That Yeah, that's that the oftentimes these biblical characters, because this is real. I mean, when you start looking at all these stories in the Bible, it's like character after character after character is doing what is right in their own eyes. And you're yep. just seeing these devastating effects. And that's in part that a lot of these stories are told as a way of saying, hey, don't do what they did. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. And I think that's one of the greatest gifts. And I think that, that that we would all attest to that, that we would rather learn from somebody else's mistakes yeah. than make those mistakes ourselves and have to learn that the hard way. Now, Absolutely. granted, some of the best life lessons come that we would go, hey, I don't ever want to repeat this but I'm grateful that God let me go through it. I have newfound empathy. I understand God's grace differently. I understand his forgiveness. My relationship with God has grown. I never want to go through that again. But by and large, if if somebody else sadly makes a mistake and I can learn from that mistake right. without having to make that mistake myself, yep. that's a much that's a much better way to go. And yeah. and there are a lot of stories in the Bible that are like that and yep. and Samson in my opinion is one of those stories. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We're you, you talked about some some themes and in, in looking at uh, some of the things that weaved their way through, and we're about to begin a series called Threads, and it's going to be a, a forty eight week series looking at the different themes that weave their way through the Bible. And so I'd be curious as you've studied, as you've gotten to even um, spend time in Jerusalem and in some of the places where where this unfolded or where people are writing from or writing to. Are there any themes that stand out to you? Any things that that weave their way through Scripture that that either fascinate you, intrigue you, or just maybe your favorite to talk about um, that that help the the uh, the Scriptures come alive? Yeah. Oh, there's so many. I'm I'm pumped that you all are doing that. That's a great title for a series, Threads, because that that is. I mean, that's one of the things that when you get into the scripture are all of these themes that are just threaded from the beginning to the end. And that's a key thing is they're threaded from the beginning to the end. Um, and, you know, one, one of the themes that has been uh, extremely helpful to me in just illuminating the biblical story um, is actually these paired words of uh, justice and righteousness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I grew up in a context where righteousness meant uh, you know, right behavior. You're doing all the right things. And in some cases, it was a negative thing. Oh, that dude's so righteous, or he thinks he's so righteous, you know? Yep. Yep. And it's almost kind of like, um, you know, a, a put down for someone. And yet this idea of of righteousness 
is such a key theme throughout the Bible, but it's much bigger and more expansive Hmm. than how we normally think about it. And so the idea around when God is creating a really great world at the beginning of the story is that there are four relationships that we see in life. There's a relationship we have with God. There's a relationship that we have with others. There's a relationship we have with self. And there's a relationship that we have with creation. And the idea of righteousness in the Hebrew, this word zedekah, it means the standard of being in right relationship. Hmm. Like at at the very essence of life is righteousness. It's to be in the right relationship. And it begins with being in a right relationship with God. It's being in a right relationship with one another, with ourselves and with creation. And as a result of the fall, righteousness is broken. You know, their relationships are broken. We see that in Genesis 3. All four relationships are implicitly and explicitly, you know, addressed in what happens immediate following Adam and Eve taking from the tree. And so now there's this other idea that now has to be introduced into human history, and that's the idea of justice. (laughs) And this word in Hebrew is the word mishpat, And justice means the actions taken to restore righteousness Mm -hmm. and to prevent any future uh, injustice. So the idea of of justice and righteousness is, is that if God created the world to function in relationship, and that harmony there is what we call shalom, right? But the moment sin enters in and the, the, the shalom of God's creation is shattered and we see that fundamental to life is relationship and this relationship is broken between us and God, between us and other people, between you know ourselves, our own struggles and with creation, then the idea is, is that God is going to work through ways of justice in order to reinstate righteousness mm. And that his people are called to embody righteousness in the world as a way of partnering with God to bring about that sense of restoration, that shalom in the world. And so even when God is is speaking into some really difficult situations where we're looking at commandments in the Torah and we're confused by them, we're going, well, what is God doing by way of, of, of justice here? You know, how is he defending the poor, the widow, the orphan, the oppressed. Um, You know, how is God speaking into that? And what is God's people supposed to do? Because one of the things that you just find over and over and over again is this theme of justice and righteousness. Um, And it it plays out uh, in what happens at the beginning of the story. Genesis 18, God says, the reason why I've chosen Abraham is so that his people will be about justice and righteousness And then you move through all the way through the biblical narrative. And it's just a theme that keeps showing up over and over and over again. In fact, when you come to Isaiah 9 and it talks about the coming Messiah, it talks about how that person will be someone who's about justice and righteousness. Mm -hmm. And so when Jesus shows up and even on the Sermon on the Mount where he says, you know, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, that's all bundled together. And so for me, that's just been a really important way of understanding the biblical text and to recognize that as followers of Jesus, we get to partner with God to bring about the restoration in the world. And we're called to not only be 
um, you know, representatives of God, but the language that Jesus used in Acts 1 is that you're going to be my witnesses. Mm -hmm. And a witness is not some passive person who's observing from a distance. The idea is someone who is actively participating in putting Mm -hmm. the will and way of God on display in the world. Mm -hmm. And that we are called to live a life of justice and righteousness for God's shalom to invade our world here and now, you know, as Jesus said, on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah, that's that's yeah. beautiful. I I love I love that theme. That that for me has been something to get even more excited about. Like when it when it comes to this is the invitation is to step into how can I help bring about those things? It 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 narrows the focus a little bit because even as you know, with this whole conversation has been about context, sometimes it feels like, well, what do I do today? How do, how do I put this in motion today? What do I how do I do this in my relationships with my friendships with my with my wife, with my boys, with coworkers, etc.? when when that framework exists it's such a beautiful and grand invitation and to see the things playing out around us and go hey there there's a framework here right that we're being invited to partner with i like that you use the word collaboration and partnership to say no god's invited us to to partner with him it's such a such a cool thing so i i want to wrap this up uh Brad and uh with a little bit more personal uh question if you're if you're willing to share but i wonder if has there has there been a passage or a scripture or a section that that has been a part of your life that has maybe changed you or impacted you um, more than others? And and I know that might be you know you know it's probably a pretty broad target since you've had such a, a vast experience with it. But but I'm just curious, like are there are there any places where you can point to like, hey, God spoke to me through this one and that altered the course of my life, or or maybe a, a verse that's an encouragement um, or something you've held on to. Um, just curious if there's anything that, that that would stand out in that way. Yeah, no, I, I think actually it's connected to what we were just chatting about, and that's just the idea that we get to be partners with God. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that so often when we are first hearing about God or coming into relationship with Jesus, it's like, well, we've got this sin, and Jesus needs to forgive me of my right. sin so that you know I can be made right with God and so that I can go to heaven after I die. Yeah. And, 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 and yes, absolutely. But that idea of salvation is never the end game in scripture. It's always intended to be the beginning. Mm. And I think for me for so long, and I think for probably a lot of Christians, salvation has always been the end game. And yet the problem becomes so many people go, okay, so then, all right, I'm, I, what do I do now? You know, it's almost like Christians become really bored because it's like, well, I've, I've, I've already, you know, I'm saved and you know, now what? And I think that the thing for me that really switched is that when I realized that salvation is never the end game, it's the beginning and that discipleship is what's the long-term goal is how do I see myself as a disciple, as an apprentice of Jesus Christ, who is wanting to partner with me so that, yes, I experience the goodness uh, and the restoration and the wholeness that God wants me to experience, but then how do I become that conduit through which God can work through me to advance his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven? And that revolutionized for me what life is about. Um, and, you know, I think that what that does is that it allows everyone to find a significant 
um, understanding of purpose in the world, that it's not just about people who stand on a stage at a church. It's not just people who are ministers. It's that God wants to partner with all of humanity in whatever gifts that he has given to each one of us, whether it's in the business sector, the political sector, education, media, nonprofit, homeschool, you know, at-home mom, at-home dad, to go, your life matters, and that God wants to advance his kingdom in and through you, and he has given us all gifts and abilities, and he has strategically placed us where he has placed us in life so that we would interact with the world and put the goodness of God on display for the world to taste and see that God is good. Yeah. And that to me is just revolutionized because then it just becomes every day is about, okay, Jesus, what what do I need to learn? Where do I need to grow? Um, You know, this is not about earning your love. This is about living out of the love of what you've already given. Now give me a fire and a focus (laughs) to know what you want me to accomplish here and now, because I believe that we are most joyful when we are living into the fullness of who God has created us to be and God has instilled within all of us um, a a path that he wants us to walk in faithfulness to him. Yeah. Oh man, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing. That's, that's, that's beautiful. And I, I would share a a similar, like that unlocking of this idea that that we get to step into something. And I, I keep saying that phrase invitation, but man, it's such a, the way you said it was way more eloquent, so I won't repeat it, but that's just a beautiful picture of what God has invited us into. So um, hopefully this conversation will help others step into that as well. Brad, thank you so much for your time uh, today and for spending time unpacking these things. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, I will put some links in the in the show notes so you guys can access more of what, what Brad and his team are up to. But thank you for your time. Thank you for your energy. Thank you for your ministry and for, or, for making so much of this come alive for so many. Really appreciate you. I appreciate it, Jordan. Thanks for the conversation today. In the show notes are links to the blog post I mentioned and to Walking the Text. I've listened to several of the Walking the Text episodes and I've found them very helpful and I think you will as well. If you have any questions about any of this, you can email podcast at faithchapel.cc. I would love to hear from you. Until next time.